Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go, a show to wrap up uh, the week, last full week in October. Snow on the ground, playoff football around the corner, not for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, unfortunately, but they've got the biggest hire in some years ahead of them trying to get the next head coach. We'll talk about that today, a bunch of other stuff too. 936-6262, that's our text line. You can also call that number locally, one 866 This show is brought to you on Fridays by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. I should mention, do some due diligence here with the paperwork. The Capital Auto Group sponsors our text line and our hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. I am Michael Ball. That is Sean Kleisinger, uh, hardest working man in show business. Well, behind me. I mean, behind me. I I mean, I am the hardest working guy. There's no doubt about it. Just ask me. But Sean is, uh, I kind of feel like you're you're me. That's what I used to do. I used to grind and do all this stuff. And that's how you got to cut your teeth in this business. Then the doors start swinging open to people that work hard. It's It's not rocket science. So Sean Kleisinger operating this show. He will do a zinger at night. After the Pats game, when he operates the Pats game, then tomorrow he's up, and he is doing the um, University of Regina Rams and U of S Huskies to wrap up his first season in the booth. We'll talk about that in a second. Hey, uh, Zinger, let's get to this if we can, okay? Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. Yeah, I like that. See, and he's even our big voice guy. He's even our big voice guy. I love it. World Series tonight. Texas hosting Arizona. I got Texas winning in five. What do you got? Uh, Texas is going to sweep them, I feel like. You do? Yeah. But you know how baseball works, man. Like, who knows? The, the D-backs can win we never in five thought the games. D- we never thought they'd get this far, man. They've swept the Dodgers. They beat the Brewers in a sweep. They've been unbelievable. Texas hasn't lost in the road. This is just the third all-wild card World Series, and it's potentially indoors. Both, both roofs can retract, but I don't know that they'll do that. NHL, Ottawa Senators defenseman Thomas Shabbat will be out four to six weeks, uh, weeks with a fractured hand, so it gets... From bad to worse, of course, Pinto's out 41 games, the unsigned center, because of a gambling violation, which we still don't know much about. I'll get into that with Pat Steinberg, who's a host in the Calgary Flames broadcast a little later on. We're also going to hear from Paul McCallum today, who was on this day back in 2001, yep. when he kicked the longest field goal. It was wind-aided, longest field goal in CFL history, close to the longest one in pro football history. He also kicked the longest field goal in XFL history, too. That's right. 
right? Yeah, so he's... Uh, I, I remember listening to that game on these very airwaves in my bedroom huh? at my old house in Sherwood Drive. With, Couldn't uh, go to the game, yeah. so I always used to just close my door yeah. and listen to the game on my little boombox. I remember hearing it vividly. You're the guy that we love in radio, the one that wants to listen to the games. Rod Peterson and Carm Carteri would have been on the call yep. for that game. Uh, what else can we talk about? Tonight, we talked about the Western Hockey League. Pats are home to Saskatoon. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Night. We'll get into more of that at the end of the show around 5.30 with Dante DiCaria and Pat Chat. Rams and Huskies tomorrow at 1. Zinger, your thoughts on... Um, your first year calling games. Oh, it's been everything that I imagine so much more. Yeah. Except for the record. Yeah, I, I mean, outside of that, it's been like uh, when I was on the plane going to Vancouver, I was looking out the window and I was thinking to myself, like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. You know, it's something I always wanted to do, man. And it's and there's not many jobs in Canada. There's few football play-by-play jobs in Canada, and I'm just so honored to have one of them. So hmm. I just... Uh, it's, awesome, it's going to be man. fun to wrap done, it up tomorrow, season a, one. You've done a great job. Talk about that for a minute if you can. Um, what The game tomorrow, the Huskies oh. and the uh, Rams. What can you tell us from from the booth, your eyes on the game? What do you got there? Well, man, this, the Regina Rams are coming off a tough loss last week. They were up 17-3. They've had a couple the of those. In the first half. And then they lost on the road versus UBC. So this is a big game for the Huskies, though. Obviously, this doesn't mean anything for the Rams. They are out of the playoffs. Playoffs, but uh, the Saskatchewan, playoffs. the Saskatchewan Huskies—they're mm. playing for a home playoff date. That's what they're playing for. The Huskies need a win tomorrow, and they need the Alberta Golden Bears to beat the UBC Thunderbirds. And that game kicks off at the exact same time as our game tomorrow. Boy, Alberta's been a nice story. Chris, Chris Morris lost his son. Obviously, he's done a great job. Finally. Finally, he wanted to. He told me when we were on our recruiting trip with Ethan, very first team we were with, he was well prepared when he came here initially. Then we went there on a recruiting trip. Said he wanted to make it the Canada version of Stanford University, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to win with players like that because you need a couple of you need a couple of uh, not choir boys to win. So it's tough to get. Doesn't mean that every smart guy's. A choir boy, but it's tougher to win with guys like that. I'm happy he's uh, he's got his team where they are. I want to give a shout-out to Rams running back Marshall Erickson as well because yeah. I didn't realize this until a little later on, but Marshall Erickson last week at UBC, he broke a record, a what? Rams record that stood for 18 seasons, Balsy. He is now the record holder for most rushing yards in a season by a rookie. Really? He beat Graham Mazin's record. Which, oh, the uh, former O'Neill Titan, yeah, Graham Mazin. 2005. Wow. He set that. So it stood for 18 years, and Marshall Erickson broke it last That's week. That's awesome. Yeah, so. he's a good kid, and his dad, of course, Colin Erickson, my old teammate. What a great uh, running back. He is retired city police officer. Um, uh, there was high school football yesterday. It was oh, yeah. uh, Johnson losing to Belgoni Greenall, 14-5 for the 5A championship. And isn't the 6A tonight? The 6A is tonight. In that game yesterday, it was 3 to nothing at halftime for Johnson. Wow. Can you believe that? Wow. 3 nothing at halftime, and then the Greenall Griffins, they put the pedal to the metal, baby. One and I believe plus. this is their third title yeah. in a row. Lechner's got a good, Corey Lechner's got a good program out there in terms of winning. Um, and then tonight it's Miller, and I'm not sure who's Miller playing. Is it Campbell? 
I believe Miller, Miller is playing Lebolus. Lebolus for the championship. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Miller's no, going to walk. Yeah, away no disrespect, with it. but uh, Miller will win. There'll be a speed bump in the parking lot. Uh, it is two Catholic schools going at it, so you can't really like. They both have the same rules in terms of their um, recruiting. There are no boundaries, which has to be changed. It's an absolute farce. So I'll put a little asterisk by Miller's win again. Like they got, I, it wasn't like that when no, I played. No, it wasn't. It, it was, and it was no. only back in two thousand nine. Like, well, the, Less you, than 15 years you ago. You used to be able to... Are you sure? Because I think that the... Miller was in the division no, more they, than they, me. they were crappy. But what I'm getting at, I don't know how they've turned that program around. Like, hey, they've done a good job. They've got good coaches and good players. But let's be honest here. When you can have rules over here that are different from the public school rules, they got to look at just making it all even. It's it's crazy because they're recruiting kids that aren't even in their area. It's, it's turned into... Turned into a bit of a joke. They got great players, no doubt about it, and a great uh, coaching staff. I'm not saying that, but it's a bit of a joke. So I put a little asterisk by any win they get. Sorry, just the way that it is. Can't I can't totally wave the Miller Marauders flag. I won't do it because it's not fair. Right after we finish talking about Marshall Erickson, yeah, we cut down his alma mater. Well, they're good, but am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Like that's like saying. The Eastern Division of the CFL has no salary cap, but the West Division has to have a salary cap. It's no. And yeah, I know. Well, why is it like that? Like, it shouldn't uh, be like I that. I have no idea. Nobody's told me why it's like that. Nobody's told me why they aren't we changing We got to get it. somebody on I here. Try to get, I try to do journalistic things, Zinger, believe it or not, and sometimes I get shut down and I just move on. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with a clip from Kerry Joseph. We had a couple of weeks ago because we're talking about the new Rough Rider coach. No, he's not the new coach, but we're talking about the search for the new coach. And I want to get into something. I want your opinion because it kind of got fired up on Twitter. Uh, this is the Sports Cage on 620 CK. KRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Got Shane waiting patiently. Caller Shane, let's go out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hi, Shane. Hi. What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you, man? Uh, not bad. Uh, I've been listening to your show the last week. And I've been a season ticket holder since 1972. Yep. And I just don't think they went far enough. What did What did you want to see, uh, Shane? Uh, well, I wanted to see there were going to be changes. I wanted it to be from the top down. Okay, so given what they've done, so does that mean? What does that mean for your? Uh, what does that mean for you continuing your 51 years of being a season ticket holder, Shane? Uh, that's in jeopardy. Depends who they get as coach. That's what I was going to ask you. So we know what they've got. We can't. We. I have no power over it. You have no power over it. Uh, it's Craig Reynolds and Jeremy O'Day. Um, and let's be honest. They say it's three years. So I've heard it could be three one-year deals. I don't know. But let's be honest. Craig Reynolds and Jeremy O'Day are tied at the hip. So that's what it's going to be. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Reynolds believes in O'Day. So as long as Craig Reynolds is here, O'Day's here. That's how I see it. I could be wrong but anyway as you look at it now then who do you want for your head coach Shane as a season ticket holder well my first choice would be a lot of people's that I've heard is Scott Millennium Milanovic, you mean? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's uh, he's probably by far and away the leading should be the number one. 
candidate with a bullet. Can they get him here? I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe they can. I've heard Hamilton would love, you know, I've heard Hamilton might elevate him to head coach. Maybe he stays there because he likes uh, Orlando Steinauer and, and, and uh, what they've got going on there. After that, though, I mean, who do you, who do you get? Like, who do you get? Do you go with an unknown at head coach? Can these guys afford to go, f- uh, f- you know, with an unknown at head coach? They need to win. They need to win now. Yeah, they do. Uh, another thing I'd like to see is uh, do whatever you can to entice. I know it's going to be hard, but entice Richie Hall to come do defense here again. I don't know that it, I don't know that it would be that hard. It just depends if he wants to stay in Winnipeg or not. He lives here all year round except for during the season. His wife has a good job here. I think with it's one of the crowns. I think SGI, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't remember exactly, but he, she does have a good job here, and he lives here in North Regina, so he still loves Saskatchewan. No doubt about it. Well, uh, I'd consider that as. Uh, as an option, defensive coordinator. But like, uh, if Scott Milanovic doesn't work out, then what do you do? It's a good question, and we'll bring that up. Thanks for giving us a talking point. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. I do appreciate it. Okay. Hey, uh, you can keep the calls coming nine three six sixty two sixty two. We don't really have an off season around here, or one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. You can text that number too. So we had Kerry Joseph on the show a couple of weeks ago kind of timely we were talking to him about you know he's with the Seattle Seahawks now as an assistant head coach and as I said all week Kerry Joseph is interested in coming back here and he said he'll well we'll get to it in a second here but I re I I checked in with his people sources close to him and he said hey all options are on the table for him so I've put him up there as a candidate people say well he hasn't had a head coaching job well didn't he coach at McNeese State uh, his alma mater just went into the Louisiana Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame. He's a guy that uh, ran a CFL huddle for how for many years, dude? And he played defensive back, and he played on special teams in the NFL. He's done it all. And now he's in an NFL room as an assistant quarterbacks coach for a couple of years and has turned the walking forest fire Geno Smith into a competent head coach. Or, I mean, a quarterback. quarterback sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm all for KJ, man. KJ, we're talking like Shane's call there. I think a lot of fans want to see a head coach that will excite them as far as, you know, maybe past history with the organization. But so you but 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 in fairness, you still have a guy like I think he's less Oh, I know. That's he, not the only part. He's less of a gamble because of his coaching background and stuff. Henry would be a huge gamble. Henry would have to have a real good staff to prop him up. Mm-hmm. Uh I think he's an alpha dog that, you know, if you've ran a huddle, you can coach, but well, that's not entirely true. But you'd think you'd have some of the characteristics that a coach would need if you've ran a professional huddle for two decades and an all-time great in Henry Burris. He looks like a nice guy, but he can have that dog in him. But do you want to take a gamble? Like anybody else after Milanovic is a real gamble. Like you think about it. Mark Mueller, I proposed him. He's a gamble. Corey Mace, defensive coordinator. He's a gamble. Jordan Maximic. He's a gamble. Buck Pierce, as good as he's been in Winnipeg, he's a gamble. You don't know. Can Jeremy O'Day and Craig Reynolds afford to gamble? So here's my other one. And it's been it's been thrown out there. I said Mark Tressman. I don't I think he's 
I I like Mark Trestman. He would bring in a a pedigree and a resume and a background, but he may be a little bit on the older side to relate to the younger players. You're seeing the likes of great coaches, and that's not to say Mark isn't a great coach and I don't like him, but Belichick, Nick Saban, some of these guys are having a tough time relating to these younger guys, right? It's a different animal. It's a different it's a different system. How about this though? He's won a great cup. He's coached at the U.S. college level. He took his Hamilton Tiger Cats to two. Well, wait a minute. He's won a great cup as a player. He's won a great cup as an assistant coach, like offensive coordinator. He's won a great cup as a head coach, took his team to -to back-to-back great cups, and knows what it means to be in Ryder Nation. The only other guy I could think, if you can't get Milanovic, is Ken Austin. Do you bring Ken Austin back? It'd be his third time his third time here leaving. Like, you know, he left two times before as a player and as a uh, head coach after winning. Do you bring him back here? He knows what it takes to win. Yeah, I know. All these, all these names, I think it just comes down to, like, regardless of who the Riders hire, it's going to be a gamble because you just don't know how it's going to end up. But it's just how much of a gamble is it going to be? You know, it's less of a gamble if you get a guy like Milanovic yeah. or... Like a mace, it's gonna be a gamble. Regardless, we don't know if it's gonna work out or not. No. It's just, it's just to the level of how risque are they willing to get on this thing? You well, know, you feel me? Yeah, I feel it. Hey, here's Kerry Joseph. Uh, we talked to him uh, recently, within the last couple of weeks. Here's, here's uh, his mindset about coaching. You know, it's it just for me, just developing the, uh, my leadership skill. You know, watching the way you know Pete Carroll does uh, leads this organization. And the way he leads his coaches, the way he leads the players, and just developing that uh, that part of me, because I do want to be a head coach one day. I do want to be a coordinator one day, where I'm over a whole offensive room. So it's like for me, the football part that comes easy is how do I develop the leadership to develop men uh, with, within the organization, and that's the biggest thing for me that I have learned. I'm interested in this, uh, Kerry. Just it's an open-ended question. You're in the NFL now. You're an American guy. I know you still follow the CFL because you love football, and there's a big piece of your heart back here in uh, Saskatchewan and in in the CFL in general. Would 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 coming back to the CFL like in a head coaching role? Would that be a step back, or are you just focused right now on the NFL? You know what? I just focus where I am now. I never say never to anything. Uh, because you know, you never know where life will take you. Uh, you know, so I always tell myself to put my foot, in, you know, one feet in front of a, uh, one step in front of the next. Uh, and it's the same way as for not looking for the next job. Mm-hmm. It's being where I am in the moment. Yes, I do follow everything. I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, a, I have an agent, uh, and I know I have dreams and aspirations. Uh, and sometimes you, you say, well, I never go back to the CFL or I never go back to college. You can't say that. You never know what might happen or where God leads you and what door opens for you. That's the right one. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just take it one day at a time, one step at a time and just see, see what's next on the agenda. 3.33 sports ticker time. Who's ready for some World Series baseball? The Arizona Diamondbacks 
looking for their uh, second career or second World Series in franchise history. And the Texas Rangers, they have not won a World Series yet. So Texas looking to make some history themselves. Arizona in Arlington tonight to take on the Rangers. It's a 6 p.m. opening pitch. It's one of the teams our whole country rallies around. The chase for the championship is on. Time for today's Blue Jays reports on the Sports Cage. Major League Baseball report here on this Friday. A big night in the majors. Game one of the World Series goes tonight in Arlington, Texas. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. And on Wednesday, Michael Ball chatted with the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, teeing up this matchup. Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, come on. That is the story of the year, man. That and Bochi coming out of retirement. And the two will meet in the fall classic. Really, the last few seasons, right, on how a franchise can stick with a guy, stick with a process, ownership, giving themselves to general managers in the Arizona sense, and that general manager leaning on a guy that he's known forever. I mean, Mike Hazen, Tori Lovello, they go back eons. The emphasis of knowing a guy and knowing what really makes him tick and understanding that you both are on the same page leads to the Arizona Diamondbacks' success. And... Nobody. I mean, we, we talk baseball every week. We talk to people in the game when we're at the ballparks. We talk to people around the game, get all the forecasts. Very, very few people thought that the success for the Arizona Diamondbacks, one, would lead to this point and be sustainable for 162. There, you know, there were a couple of nice stories at the beginning of the year, Arizona being one of them, ah, but it's not going to last. The division is too tough. Too many Titans. Not enough payroll. Not enough superstars. Well, guess what? They, they added a couple of key pieces, and I remember talking with you mm-hmm. early in the season, too, about Arizona. They went out and they tried to be a more complete roster with what they were able to do, and the two big pieces we're familiar with, with Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Gabriel Moreno. My goodness, did Gabby ever have a sensational uh, in LCS and a chance to then get themselves to the World Series. And he looked like the all-star that he's projected to be at the plate, certainly. Uh, obviously, the Texas Rangers, holy smokes, that offense takes fire, and it just does not slow down. And if they can get a little consistency out of Max Scherzer in that best of seven, that could be a really, really big weapon no matter how they use it. So Bochy's the first manager to win a league championship series with three different franchises. My Padres in 98, the Giants, of course, 10, 12, and 14. We know what he did there. And the Rangers this year. And he's never lost a game seven in his career. I mean, I joke, he reminds me of the manager from Major League. Remember the movie Major League? <laughs> J- James Gammon. I don't see him. I don't see him being an Allen analytics guy. He is spitting his chew on the on the bench. Okay, get in there, kid. You know what I mean? But what a what a great move by Texas to get him off the couch. Well, well yeah, and credit to Chris Young, right? We talked about Mike Hayes and his relationship with uh, Tori Lovello. Well, Chris Young, a guy that played for Bruce Bochy, obviously it struck a chord, thought he would be a great guy to kind of right the ship from 102 losses just a couple of years removed from that. Uh, emphasis, want to make a big splash from ownership. But when you go out and you back up a brake truck and dump a half a billion dollars, you're expected to win. And by doing that, you've got to have a balance for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different places. Bruce Bochy somebody that, and we were in Texas in June, uh, just saw the Rangers then in September. And you talk to people in the Rangers clubhouse, and I'm like, how do you deal with like the dry, even demeanor? And they said, that's the best part. You know exactly what the ballpark, when you go to the ballpark, and you talk to Marcus Simeon, and on the player perspective, now it's the manager perspective. You want to know 
what you're going to have every day you're going to go to the ballpark. You want consistency. You want the routine. Bruce Bochy is a guy that walks through the clubhouse, whether it's Adelise Garcia or it's Marcus Simeon, a young at third base, or even Jonah Hyman, who's really not established as a major leaguer. He treats them all like men, whether you're a 10-year vet or it's your first year in the big leagues. He treats them like men, and everybody knows what's expected out of them. It's a model of consistency, and that's the reason why he's, he's going to be in Cooperstown. You know, they can restart the clock yeah. every five years, uh, including this year. Now, whenever he decides to hang him up, but uh, Cooperstown will certainly be calling. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, he's back again because we enjoyed him the last time we had him on. Pat Steinberg of the Fan 960 in Calgary doing a great job covering the Calgary Flames. Uh, you're like me. It's a great job, especially when the team wins, right? Like when the Riders win, it's awesome. When they lose, it's tough. Calgary Flames would be the same way in that town. They've really been struggling, and they know they're playing like crap. Yeah, and I mean, you, Mike, last night after that uh, friendly fired loss to St. Louis Blues. You had guys talking about uh, the fans were getting booed off the ice, and uh, it was uh, it was it was a scene. You had four letter bombs getting dropped, and it was just a it was a really frustrating game. It's been a really frustrating start to the season, and yeah, you you know it uh, you know it as well as anybody doing the job and doing post game in that market, especially the way things went down the stretch that. You know, when things aren't going well, it's uh, it's a tough gig to do sometimes. Um, and, and what I think is the biggest issue in this market is the fact that they are showing so many signs of what plagued them last year. And last year was absolutely miserable in this market. And so when the team looks like the team they were last year, when the team is losing games the same way they did last year, it, it it's really easy for fans to lose patience way earlier than they might have otherwise. And we're eight games in; they're two five and one, and fans are pretty fed up because with a new coach, with a new GM, but relatively similar, if not identical, personnel. The 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 team looks very eerily similar to the team that played last year, missed the playoffs, and ended up having uh, Daryl Sutter fired. So. It's uh, been a frustrating start to the yeah. year, no doubt about it. Hey, Pat, you can't win a Stanley Cup in October, but you can go a long way to uh, setting yourself uh, self up to losing a Stanley Cup in October by not making the playoffs. Now, I'm not as close to it as you and our fans are, Calgary Flame fans would be, but just fill us in. What are some of the things that plagued them last year that have bled over to this year? Well, the number one thing is they can't score. Uh, they are having such a difficult time generating opportunities and even when they generate opportunities they are a very low-end team right now in converting on those opportunities so they're they're spending lots of time on the attack they're spending lots of time in the offensive zone but while they're there they're not necessarily generating a lot of opportunities from the high danger areas between the circles and stuff like that and when they are getting those opportunities they're not converting on them at a very high rate so you're you're getting a team that looks like uh they're they're in quicksand every time they happen to be in the offensive zone and so 
that is the number one spillover that we're seeing from last year. And it, it leads a lot of people to wonder if maybe this roster just isn't constructed well enough to be a team that scores at a high rate. And so that would be number one. But the, the second part is that you're seeing key players on this team not be large enough contributors. And right now, those two names are Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto, who just happen to be the two highest paid players on the team as well. Huberto actually had a pretty decent start to the season. I quite like the way he was playing in the first three, four games of the year. He's now gone pointless in the last four. Nazem Kadri who is in year two of a seven-year, $49 million contract, has one assist in eight games. And he has shown flashes of being around it, but he's also shown flashes of the guy in the second half of the season last year who was detrimental to them winning as as much as he was helpful to them. Mm-hmm. And so you've got Huberdeau, who's coughing the puck up left and right and not putting up points. You've got Kadri, who directly led to a breakaway goal last night against because of a soft play on the power play, making mistakes like that and also not producing. So those are the two things that I think jump out the most. A, they're not scoring, and B, they're not getting enough from the guys that they need to be or need to have as the driving right now. And when you have both those things combined, and it looks so much like the miserable year last year where they missed the playoffs, yeah, it's just, uh, it's easy to go down some rabbit holes, right? So I, I still think Calgary makes the playoffs. I think they'll find a way, but they better find out in a hurry. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers, a team that the Flames are facing at Commonwealth Stadium in the great outdoor game on Sunday, they're in quicksand like you described with the Flames in the offensive zone. They're in quicksand on defense. I don't even blame the Oilers' goaltending so much, although I do think they should probably stick with one, and I would lean towards Stuart Skinner. This might... This is going to be a great game. People say, oh, look at this terrible game. No, I think it's going to be a great game. I think this atmosphere is exactly what both of these teams need. It's the tonic they need. I think it could be a great game. I, I, think, I think that you're on to something. I mean, from a, from a league showcase standpoint, a pair of teams that enter with three combined wins, I think they're 3-10-2 is their record yeah. or something like that. Through their first uh, through their first fifteen games combined, that, from a showcase standpoint, is it the sexiest game? But you've got a desperate Oilers team with Darnell Nurse dropping f bombs in in his post game. You've got the Flames dropping four letter bombs in their post games last night. You've got two really fed up, pissed off, and frustrated teams. Two teams that should be desperate. And here's maybe the best part, Mike, is that two teams that haven't played since December 27th. It's been almost a year since they last played one another because they didn't meet in the playoffs, obviously. They only played three times last year. These two teams do not like one another, whether they're playing well or not playing well. There's a lot of animosity between some of the central figures over the last five years on both teams. So I think it's actually got the tonic to be a pretty good hockey game. It's a nice spectacle. It'll be cool in Commonwealth. The weather's going to be fairly uh, fairly approachable for a late October outdoor game. And I think this is exactly what both teams need to bring a little urgency to the ice. We don't know if Connor McDavid's going to play. We know that Rasmus Anderson is not going to play with Flames. But it's still a rivalry game. The first time these teams have ever met in an outdoor game. The first time they're meeting this year. I 
think it's actually got the potential to be a really solid hockey game. And if, if both these teams come urgent and both these teams use the frustration they're feeling in the proper way, I think it could be a really competitive hockey game. The last time the Flames played an outdoor game, it was uh, against Winnipeg in your fair city, and the game was awesome mm-hmm. at Mosaic and, and, and was exactly what the NHL was hoping for from an on-ice standpoint, I think. So I think that's kind of what the hope is come Sunday uh, at Commonwealth in Edmonton. One, one last comment from you. Just get your take on what went on in Ottawa with Pinto and the whole betting thing. We don't know exactly what it was. We're told he didn't directly bet on the NHL. All I will say is it's a tangle web we weave, you know. It's a slippery slope when you have a betting, a betting company on your helmet. It, 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 it reeks a little bit of uh, hypocrisy, but I just wanted your take. Yeah, it's been really weird to wade through this one. And we were actually talking at Flames practice today. A bunch of us were all like, okay, so what exactly happened here? And why is it 41 games and not 82 games? Is it bad? Is it bad-ish? So it, the whole thing is mired in a lot of confusion, a lot of secrecy, and just not a lot of information. And because the NHL is not being overly forthright about what's going on, it makes it difficult to even really know why Pinto has been slapped with this suspension. We understand that betting on NHL games is bad. We understand that gambling is a slippery slope. And, and we understand that there are definitely things that need to be, like, like safeguards that need to be in place to make sure that players aren't getting into situations where it's would impact the game, but I, you're right. I mean, the NHL and every network that's in bed with the NHL and every other pro sports league, they're chasing these bet- this betting money like it's going out of style. The Flames have the Flames have partnerships with one betting company. The Senators are with another, and this one's at Bet Three Six Five and Bet Ninety Nine and Sports Interaction. And we see the TV commercial every second commercial, the betting commercial. You're right. It's a it's a very, very gray area. So it, it just, I guess what I come away with on the Shane Pinto thing is because they have not really given us much information at all, you kind of have to glean things and put things together from Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli and, and the different insiders and what they're telling us. The NHL is not being super forthcoming. The Sens aren't. Pinto isn't. So it's very, very gray and it's raises way more questions than it does answers, which I don't think is what the NHL needs when they're promoting sports gambling as much as they are. Pat Steinberg from the Fan 960 in Calgary doing great work with NHL coverage, in particular the Flames. Enjoy the outdoor classic. Should be a good one. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff, Matt. Appreciate it. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by Nelson Holmes. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger here. You can text 936-6262. Our uh, text line brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. You can call that number to talk sports locally or one 866 Seven six seven zero six twenty. Coming up after four o'clock, we're going to hear from Andy McNamara, our betting expert, clutch performance, and we'll get to Don Hewitt with some interesting thoughts on what he thinks went down in Rider Nation. Any guesses on who the clutch performer is today, Michael Ball? 
Any guesses? Hmm? <laughs> I'd go Josh Allen, probably. Nah. No, okay. You can. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Josh Allen, Taylor Swift is really sweeping the NFL. Check this out. Taylor Swift! Taylor Swift! He audible Taylor Swift. Yep. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Heard of LeBron James as well yeah. last night. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, Pro Bowl running back Delvin Cook admitting he's frustrated in a reduced role with the Jets. Says he may talk to the general manager and his agent about a possibility of a trade. Trade deadline is Tuesday. Arizona Cardinals are getting closer to seeing the return of quarterback Kyler Murray. He's a... Uh, been practicing and deemed fully healthy by the coach. Brock Purdy in concussion protocol for the 49ers. And uh, Daniel Jones out. Tyrod Taylor, the starting quarterback for the Giants. I actually think they're in a better position with Tyrod Taylor. I oh, think he's yeah. better than Daniel the Jones. Gi- the Giants made such an awful error by giving that dude yeah. $80 million, whatever. Yeah. How about the Seattle Seahawks? They're wearing their throwbacks this week for the first time. Really? Yeah. Oh, the uh, like the, the, the expansion the light, era. Yeah, like the lighter blue silver yeah. helmet with the wrapper on, like the old rider yep. logo. Yeah, that's it's, nice. Uh, I don't. I do not like the Seahawks at all. But I'm gonna say that might be my favorite, like new uniform yeah. that we've seen rolled this out. Is, here this is this year. is pretender season now. We're getting to the trade deadline. We're gonna see which teams think they have a shot, which teams think they don't have a shot by a, who gets traded and moved. Um, I think we're starting to see Tampa wasn't a very good team. Arizona has been, oh, Arizona. Air, the, the Rams are pretenders, too. They're going to play Dallas this week and get absolutely squashed, and I don't like the Cowboys. Like we're gonna, this, is the, this is when we start to find right about now, Zinger, who the real teams are, who have a shot, who, who are pretenders. Like Miami's a good team. They're fun to watch. They're not doing anything in the playoffs. They just don't have the defense to roll with like a Buffalo. Well, that's going to be an interesting game this week, too. New England coming off a big win last Sunday yeah. versus Buffalo. Buffalo, New England's in uh, Miami, I believe, this yeah. week. So that's yeah. that's yeah. one that I'm looking for. That's, that's Baltimore gonna... is in uh, Arizona, I think. What was the other game I'm trying to think of that's uh, caught my attention? I can't believe weekend. they didn't flex out the Sunday night game, the Chargers and the Bears. Oh, can't yeah. they flex that out? I thought yeah. they flexed that out for sure. Cincinnati in in San Francisco is going to be interesting with Sam Darnold starting for the Niners. We're going to see how. You know, good yeah. the Niners truly are well, coming off that ba- loss well, versus got, Kirk Cousins. Well, they got the Bengals who are healthy. Maybe at uh, as best as we'll see Joe Burrow. Hey, I wanted to bring this up because I brought it up on Twitter and it got a lot of attention. I want to read some of the comments if I can here. Um, just give me a second here. I got to get to my mm. profile. So Vegas I can get is in Detroit D- on Monday well, night. I think be, that's Detroit's first Monday nighter in like uh, five years, something crazy. like that. So here's what I tweeted out. Um, I said, um, one of the most thankless jobs in any profession, but especially North American professional sports, is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders offensive coordinator position. Why would anybody want that gig? Fans wrongly, most of the time, attack the OC. Stop it. It's a bad look. Um, And one guy said, I agree, Darren, for a first-year coordinator, Kelly Jeffrey was asked to make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. There were hiccups, but he served up some of the best chicken salad on more than one occasion. Bring him back. Um, The old fallback, says Big Sexy Dog. It's the fans' fault. (laughs) Fallback number two. Ryder fans are the only fans in North America critical of their team and the coaches. So I guess it was the fans who made the decision to move on from Moss and McAdoo. That's not what I said, but that doesn't mean you're not critical. Um, I said, give me, give me, because here's the beauty of it. I have taken, I've been around here for a number of years. I have taken 
calls. Couple on, calls on here all and there. these <laughs> offensive coordinators that people yeah. loved and then they hated. Jason Moss. Uh, somebody said, I said, name me two that you liked. Oh, I love Paul LaPolice and I love George Cortez. Well, I took calls during their tenure when they, I was told they're no good either at times. And those guys had great teams on offense, did they not? Mm-hmm. LaPolice, 09, George Cortez, 2012-2013. Come on. I'll, I'll tell you what I think. Okay. It doesn't matter the position. It doesn't matter the coach. When the Riders lose... Everybody's going to get criticized. When the Raiders win, they don't. It doesn't matter if you're a coordinator, a quarterback, an old lineman. It just comes with the territory. See, There's is, always going to be that group of fans that, you know, this complain, is a, and here, rightfully so. Here's an out-of-touch one. i got to read this one. This one is hilarious. Uh, maybe if they could actually generate a pro-level offense, they wouldn't be attacked. I get that you have to toe the company line and need to be a promoter, but the Riders' offense... Uh, will likely be last in points scored after this week. High school Jeffrey isn't the guy. Third string quarterback, man. Fourth. Fourth. He was actually the fourth. You know what I mean. He was actually the fourth string. Was he a fourth stringer? No, but he was the fourth string guy at the start of the year. I just I just can't sometimes. Yeah, no, we have to we have to break. And I don't tow the company line, okay? I don't work for the riders. And if you think I tow the company line, you obviously haven't been listening to this show. Because for a play by play guy of a team, I actually most guys are vanilla and don't say anything. Most guys don't have a talk show. So I know I've You're ballsy. Let's take a break. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show into our second hour. 936-6262, number to text. Text us some fantasy stuff if you want right now. We're on with Andy McNamara. He joins us in the Western Pizza Hotline. This show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. How are you doing, Andy? Ballsy, doing good, brother. How are you? Awesome, man. I got six unexpected storylines I want to talk to you about. Oh. Then we can get into some of the things you want to talk about, okay? This has right, to, what do we got? This has to be one of the, the biggest ones. C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. Houston wins against Bryce Young and the Panthers here on Sunday, and Houston will be above 500 for the first time since week two of 2021. And really, who saw this coming when you're picking that high in the draft? Stroud's got nine touchdowns and only one interception. He's leading the league in touchdown-to-interception ratio through seven weeks. I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, Balzi, we're, we're modest folk in the media business, uh, you and I, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I, however, I do have to uh, toot my own horn when it's due. And I was screaming from the mountaintop on your show, my show, yep. any show, that C.J. Stroud was going to be the man and should have, without a shadow of a doubt, been the number one overall pick. And don't the Panthers look like absolute fools? They let All they had to do was hand in the card. And you have C.J. Stroud, we're ready overcomer overcomer people forget how much he had to overcome day one at ohio state with all that pressure people wanted him out of there after two games and he battled and he saw the bright lights more pressure there arguably than in houston and he keeps going as you said just one interception multiple touchdown games not having to really use his legs at all which wasn't his game in college but he can be nimble and now you come off you got carolina tampa bay you can get cincinnati's not a sure thing in arizona 
Like, yeah. We, we might have to actually be looking at the Houston Texans, not as a Super Bowl contender, let's, let's relax, but certainly to win the uh, win the division, and probably fairly easily. Now, I feel like I need ZZ Top to intro this second one. Oh, how, 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 how. The, the, the tush push. The Philadelphia Eagles went four for four with the tush push. You know where they pushed the quarterback yeah. for a first down? On Sunday, they went four for four. Their running tally now is 41 of 44 over the last two years. That's a 93.2% conversion rate. Uh, there's some numbers for you, Andy. You, you like you numbers. Go. The rest of the league, though, the next closest team is only 11 conversions since 2022. So that's interesting. Like they're the only team that's really got this. Oh, how, 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 how. Tush, push down, man. I love me some ZZ Top. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's working. And we know the NFL's a copycat league. If not, I'm surprised more teams really haven't been adopting it in season. But we know, just like in the past, the Wildcat and other things, if it works, teams will adopt until defenses adapt to it. No one's really been able to stop it for Philly. It's working. It's simple. And you're facing the Commanders team Sunday that isn't impressive. Philly's a seven-point favorite. Like, you're looking one game now. Eagles, they got that loss out of the way, so you don't have to worry about the perfect season stuff, whatever. Eagles are, are this Sunday away, I think, from once again really claiming top spot in the NFC in the general conversation. So the third unexpected uh, storyline for me, Rams fifth-round rookie Puka Nakua leads the NFL in catches. We were all wondering what was going to happen with Cooper Cup out, and Puka Nakua's 58 catches are the most in the league through the first seven weeks, making him the first rookie with at least a share of the NFL lead in receptions through seven weeks since Eagles tight end Keith Jackson. He has 752 receiving yards through his first seven games, the second most by a player in NFL history, trailing only Jamar Chase's 754 in the 2021 season. He is definitely a surprise. Oh my. Uh, yes. Without a shadow of a doubt. Nobody saw that coming. Real life wise, fantasy wise, he's been an absolute stud. You got him for nothing. Like You probably got him undrafted or at the very yeah. end. And and for, for Puka, it's it's a case where sometimes it's the right scenario. What Whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but it's working. And Ballsy, as you know, I'm a, uh, a, a combine junkie when it comes to the yes, NFL combine. I got Page, handwritten notes. I can send pictures on social. People need proof. But I had, and I look back, and I had a little star beside the name Puka Nakua, partly because my son was watching it with me, and he laughed at the name. So, you know, we thought it was a fun one to say. <laughs> uh, but damn it. <laughs> I was like, hey, you know what? This guy's got a bit of size. Hey, I'm watching. This guy's got some hands, and he's a natural pass catcher. Hey, wait a second. His ropes look pretty crisp. Okay, I'll put a little note that I forgot about it. And then, lo and behold, first few weeks of the season, you're like, holy cow. Puka Nakua is a fantasy stud, a, a possible league winner if you get Puka Nakua for where you did. And for the Rams, you got a bona fide number two, borderline number one. Yeah. Hey, next one. Sam Howell is on pace to become the most dusted quarterback in NFL history in a single season. David Carr of the Texans, we talked about Ooh. them earlier, he was sacked the record 76 times in 16 games. First overall pick in the 2002 draft, expansion team, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Howell's been sacked 40 times in seven games. Oh. He's on pace to get whacked 97 times. Wow. Just wow. It's just... <laughs> it's like, oh, 
Hey, how, how come the, the commanders are under uh, 500? Oh, I don't know, because your quarterback is getting planted? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, hi. Right? Like, it's it's ridiculous. How you expect not just a, a rookie, second-year, any-year quarterback to do well when he doesn't have time to throw the ball, and when the ball is snapped, you have people in your face all the time. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't do it. No, right? you can't. So, no, no, you can't. And so, so, now what I think we really look at is, in Washington, you got that new billionaire owner. This Ron Rivera is a, a, a dead man walking on the coaching front. It's um, He'll be fired. They'll get their guys in. And Sam Howell, I think when we look back in a couple of years, we'll see him as a nice high-end backup, but nothing more. Yeah, for sure. Okay, fifth unexpected storyline for me is uh, Derek Carr finally has a defense that he didn't have in Vegas, but he's not capitalizing. Uh, mm-hmm. He signed a four-year, $150 million contract with the Saints. It paired him with uh, a team that was a, a defense that was in the top 10 scoring defense in terms of allowing points, and you think he'd thrive, but Derek Carr is averaging the fewest yards per pass 6.3 since his 2014 rookie season, where he averaged 5.5, and his 82.8 passer rating this year, Currently, his worst since his rookie year when he was 76.6. It doesn't make that make sense for me. No, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And New Orleans, like, eh, there's such a, that whole division, that NFC South stinks. It's such a tweener division as far as, like, they, like they can still win that division, right? Yeah. Like, Derek Carr can put up these exact numbers the whole year and win that division, and it means absolutely nothing because you'll get bounced in the first round, right? Like, right now, the, the Falcons are 4-3, and three. okay. The Saints, like, like that just screams of a, a team that's what, uh, uh, eight and nine or whatever. Nine and eight. Win that yeah. Division. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or ten and eight or whatever it is now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you have Chris Olave who got arrested for speeding. Michael Thomas isn't the guy he was. Alvin Kamara's looking good. But other than that, like, yeah, you got the defenses there. It'll keep you hanging around. It's just a very unimpressive division, unimpressive team. And Derek Carr, I think, is just proving what a lot of people thought he was, and that's he's mid. He's an average starting quarterback in the National Football League. So this is the last one, and it's maybe the most eye-opening one. Uh, it was It's unexpected, and it's sickening, but the NFL likes it and they really don't need help with popularity, but Kelsey and Swift. We heard heard Josh Allen yesterday say, Taylor Swift! Taylor Swift! Yeah, see, Taylor Swift. He was he was saying Taylor Love Swift it. is an audible. Um, I've had enough of the like the chest bump and the handshakes with it, with her and Brittany Mahomes. It's getting oh. it's getting sickening. But uh, Brittany's the worst. You have to give you have to give. I hate Kansas City so much. Uh, uh, but you, you have to you have to give Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey credit. They've managed the distraction so far. No, they they really have. Um, I just have to say, I I can't stand Brittany Mahomes. She's she's the worst. She's the worst. She's just so so awful. So fit, so ugh. Yeah. Like I just see her. I just I just cringe. I can't stand her. But you know what? Hey, look. Taylor Swift on too. Yeah. Like, like where we we have the Kelsey and Swift. And look, whatever the distraction or not distraction, they're six and one. So, and they're going into Denver as seven-point favorites against a Broncos team that doesn't know its head from its rear end. Uh, they're going to keep going with it. And the, the, the fun thing is that I find so remarkable is that Travis Kelsey doesn't run routes. He just, it's backyard football. He's getting open with his buddy Mahomes. They're throwing the ball. They're having a great time. I just wonder if, and there might not be an if, let's be real. There might not be an if for the Chiefs. They might just ramp and run to the Super Bowl again. But if... 
there is a hiccup. If there's a couple games losses, what happens then with all the Taylor Swift? Does that get on people's nerves? Fun, all fun and games when you're winning. If something happens, does that make an effect? We might honestly not find out because the Chiefs are so good. We're going to keep Andy around for a rare second segment. We'll get to right. some of his stuff here, uh, and uh, we'll get to our uh, Sports Cage Clutch performer. Andy's always clutch. It's Andy McNamara joining yeah. us on the Sports Cage here for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. David Lillard. Three-pointer flies. And he's got another one. David Lillard. I kind of stayed higher up the floor because I knew, like, it was a chance that they would run somebody at me. But once I stayed up and I saw that it was just me and him uh, one-on-one, I was like, um, I'm going to try to get to a spot. You know, I'm going to get to some of my comfort spots. And um, he pressed up on me. And um, I had got around him a few times, so I kind of hit the gas to get him on his heels. And then I changed direction. And he tried to cut that move off. And then I changed direction again. And by the time I did that and went into my step back, I had enough space to get a, a clean look. So... Um, that's a look that I take seven days a week. Milwaukee Bucks' Damian Lillard after last night's win over the Philadelphia 76ers talking about his dagger three-pointer late in the fourth quarter. Dame finished with 39 points. He was 17 of 17 from the free throw line, and he's looking like he's fitting in quite nicely with the Milwaukee Bucks. Damian Lillard, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fen Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Dame Willard lighting up the Milwaukee Bucks. Good trade there for Milwaukee. Might have given up a little bit of size and defense, but you got to score points. That's what it is. Uh, every league wants to get offensive. Let's go out uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline once again on this Friday show for Nelson Holmes, our friend Andy McNamara, our betting expert. So, uh, Andy Mack, uh, I wanted to ask you this. The trade deadline's coming up Tuesday, like the actual NFL trade deadline. Mm-hmm. How does that affect as we switch to the fantasy world with guys and girls and people trading? Well, it's something... That at least the NFL, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is done on purpose, they do it before the waiver wire week, before the moves happen. So the Tuesday waiver wires are Wednesday in the league, which is very considerate of them because that could mean that fantasy owners have to make some difficult or uh, roster moves of their own before that Wednesday deadline based on who moves. Now, by all accounts, it looks like the Tennessee Titans are selling to anyone who's talking. They've made a couple deals already. Derrick Henry, the hottest name out there. Yeah. Uh, if he goes somewhere of note, that could be good or bad because is he going somewhere as a committee? He's been rumored to Baltimore. I think that decreases his value. If he goes somewhere where he would be a bell cow for the rest of the season, that would obviously increases fantasy value. So I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued about how this is going to shake out. Do you think he'll end up in a place like, say, Dallas? Um, with Pollard there. Like, you is, know, Pollard you one? is Pollard Pollard's not really a one, you know what I mean? Like, he's not a bell yeah. cow. Yeah, he's, well, no, you're, you're right. He's kind of like more of that high-end too. Um, it could, like, you never put anything past Uncle Jerry, right? Yeah. And if it's a rental, could make a lot of sense. I think that'd be a nice fit in Dallas. Let's say I'd rather him in Dallas than in, in my Browns division in the AFC North, so you can keep him there. But, like, 
where where else? And also, what's the compensation look like on a guy? Like people are saying, oh, well, what do you have to give up? It's probably only going to be like a three or a four fourth round pick. I would uh, I, if t- if the Titans are selling off, I'd love to see the Chargers go after Hopkins, the receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh, uh, him, yeah, that wouldn't be that would be a nice little add on, right? Yeah. Compliment Keenan Allen. You had Mike Williams out, and, and just kind of they need a field stretcher. Yeah, they need a field stretcher. Okay, let's get to some receivers here. Do you think I'll, I'll I'll deem these guys worthy? Meaning you'll risk them in in some leagues. Okay, how about uh, Joshua Palmer of the Chargers Sunday night against the Bears? I I've been a Joshua Palmer fan for a while. He's uh, a native of uh, the Greater Toronto area. Yeah, so been been tracking him. And you know what? For for his opportunities, they have been limited. Now he's got a knee issue this week. Okay. But, um, overall, if you look at this season from weeks three onward, he has a touchdown in one of those games, and he's hit double digit fantasy points and into the teens in all of those games. Uh, so I'd be if he is cleared. It's Friday, so if he's if he is cleared and you know no health designation, I'd feel comfortable playing him against the uh, the Bears. Reason being, ballsy, he's been given the opportunity and he has converted. This is also for the listeners. This is how I. I interpret success from, let's say, more of a fringe guy or someone you put in the flex. If they get you double-digit fantasy points, and I don't care if the number's 10, that's a success. Because for the most part, if you're waiver-wired dumpster diving, you're getting like four points. All right, uh, let's go here. How about uh, Rasheed Rice, a receiver mm-hmm. with Kansas City going up against a pitiful, pitiful, pitiful Denver? Boy, oh, the Broncos. What a joke. Like, is there a, a, a bigger, just bigger looking loser than Sean Payton right now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? Like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. You're going to talk to talk, at least at least put up a fight. Good Lord. Um, now, Rasheed Rice is very interesting. I think long term, so let's say for dynasty leagues or keeper leagues, that Rasheed Rice could develop into that one receiver that uh, the Chiefs have been wanting and looking for since uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, right now, is he the guy? Not at that level, but. Out of the last three weeks, he has a touchdown in two of those games. His fantasy numbers, nice and comfortable over those. We're seeing, though, what concerns me, though, is that the targets and receptions are still hovering around the same. Four catches, four catches, five catches. I need that bumped up a little bit. Okay. So do I, like the, do I like the matchup this week? Yes. Long term, though, am I going to be comfortable keeping him in my lineup as like a surefire, set-and-forget guy? Not yet. Okay, lastly, give me one of your favorites. Give me one that we can lock in from you, Andy McNamara. Oh, boy, you know what? I'll give you a, a, a best bet, if I could, yep. for your Chargers game. Okay? okay. So I was looking at this. I, I like the same game parlay. And I think this is a nice one. Let me know what you think of this. Justin Herbert, passing yards, over 263.5. Yep. Austin Eckler, anytime touchdown. And Chargers money line, and the, the key word there is money line, not that spread of eight and a half. I don't that spooks me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the the money line for the Chargers is straight up win. That's a plus one ninety two. I think that's a nice simple in game parlay, which is quite reasonable. Austin Eckler still working his way back, um, and Justin Herbert, you know, not the best results over the last couple of weeks, but this dude can pop up three hundred at any moment. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. If they want more information from you, the great Andy McNamara, where do they find you? You get me on Twitter, on X, at AndyMC81, at SickPodBrowns. Give the show a follow, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. We're live every Sunday and Tuesday, but Sundays is the big one. That's the fantasy football and best bet show. Give you all your updates. This week, all elite wrestling, pro wrestler, Canadian, Daddy Magic, Matt Menard. He's a huge Chiefs fan. He's joining me for his Daddy Magic magic pick, so that's going to be a ton of fun, too. I love it, man. I always like talking to this guy. Thanks, Andy. Have a good weekend. 
All right, Baldy. Talk to you soon. Take care. That's Andy McNamara. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. And it's 433 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Where professional service is guaranteed, they will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Six games in the NHL on this Friday. Just one Canadian franchise in action. The Vancouver Canucks and their 4-2 and record are home to the St. Louis Blues. Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks are in Vegas. San Jose, Carolina, Buffalo, and New Jersey. Washington entertains Minnesota, and the LA Kings are in the desert. To meet up with the Coyotes, the Toronto Raptors hit the hardwood for their second game of the season tonight. Raps are, Raps are in Chicago. Toronto took down Minnesota 97-94 on Wednesday. Opening tip for that one at 6 o'clock. And of course, World Series time. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers are set to clash in Game 1 of the World Series tonight. What a story. The D-backs have been just 84 wins in the regular season and snuck in that last playoff spot in the National League. The Diamondbacks are looking to win their second World Series in team history. And the Texas Rangers... Well, they have never won one. Looking to be crowned a champion for the first time. World Series Game 1, tonight at 6 o'clock. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Today on the CFL Report, we hear from Kelly Jeffrey, the offensive coordinator of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who will be back in Regina next week. And part of his reasoning for coming back is to sit down with Jeremy O'Day and throw his name into the mix for the vacant head coaching job. This next week, I'll, I'll touch base with um, uh, J.O. And, and just see kind of where I am at with things. Uh, um, and I, I've been a head coach before. I love being a head coach. Um, of course, I, I, I'd love to be a head coach of the Riders, but I know uh, it'll be a probably a wide-open search, and, and they got to find someone who kind of fits what they're looking for, whatever that is. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've loved my time with the Riders, and, and I'd certainly love to be a part of it going forward and in a lot of different capacities. So uh, hopefully we'll see. Yeah, and uh, I said before, if you're not the head coach, and I didn't realize maybe you'd be interested in that, I said, hey, Kelly Jeffrey, uh, I think he's earned the right to come back and, and be an offensive coordinator, given, like I said, with the with the B grade there that I said. Uh, but what would make you... What would make you, I'm the GM listening to you, why would you be a good head coach? Can you tell me why you'd be a good head coach? Well, I guess personally I feel like I've got good experience with it. You know, I, I've um, I've had a lot of what not to do moments as a head coach. I've, I've been a head coach twice, and uh, the first round was a, a lot of what not to do. You know, you, you make a lot of those mistakes and you learn from them. And, and my second go around, uh, you know, I, I took over a team with a, I think a 34-game losing streak, and we ended up going to two national semifinals with the, with the smallest enrollment of any football school in the country. And so um, I think I've got a, a good passion for it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have what I believe is a really good-centered message that I don't, I don't stray from. This is Football 101, a look at CFL news and notes with the Professor Don Hewitt. Friday show brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. I love this guy's football wisdom, the way he calls it. The Professor Don Hewitt, ready for football 101 with Huey. Uh, Don, uh, how was the move with your son? Second son in Calgary. You're, you're, you're moving them all to Calgary. Oh, I'm, I'm helping them move, but <laughs> they ended up going there and 
you know, I was there a week, and I guess when I was away, Ballsy, a few things happened in Ryderville. Yeah, so uh, I guess my first question to you is, Don Hewitt, um, does anything about what did or didn't happen shock you? Oh, absolutely. I was totally shocked that Jeremy O'Day got a, a new three-year contract to be general manager of the Rough Riders. I mean, it was a given that Craig Dickinson was gone as the head coach, but I didn't see uh, it coming that he'd be rewarded with, what, a $1.2, $1.3 million deal to come back to, you know, in total to run the Rough Rider football end. So I, I have to admit I was shocked, uh, and I think a lot of, uh, folks across the league were shocked. I think the TSN folks that uh, cover the team, they were pretty shocked. I think everybody was shocked. And I think there's still shockwaves going through the community because people feel, okay, where's the accountability uh, for what this team has done the last two seasons? Uh, they don't. They just don't feel it's there. It sort of reminds me... The way people are feeling, this is IMO, and only in my opinion. So I don't know everybody in who's at Mosaic Stadium, and I don't know everybody that goes to Ryder games. But I think that the, that they're sort of feeling the way the reign of error felt like. Uh, now, is this the reign of error? Absolutely not. The reign of error was 11 seasons out of the playoffs, where people felt there was no connect between what the team was doing and, and what the community uh, saw the team as doing to be accountable but it's only been two years so it's a long ways to go to the reign of error but I, I feel a disconnect right now between many fans again IMO between many fans and what this team is doing does that mean though that Jeremy O'Day 100% cannot turn this team around absolutely not I mean Jeremy O'Day and I said it many times uh, on the air in the pre- and post-game shows during the season. Jeremy O'Day, I thought, had a pretty good team that trotted out onto the field day one of training camp. He had three uh, offensive tackles on the blind side that all looked like they could play. I think one of them played half a half a quarter in Calgary. He had a good starting left guard who only played the last four games or whatever. So I, did, I do think that there's some arguments that uh, Craig Reynolds came up with when he when he rehired Jeremy O'Day, I think Craig Reynolds also missed a few other things too. And one of them that I think is glaring is, is Cam Judge, uh, who was Jeremy O'Day let walk. He's one of the best linebackers in the CFL for Calgary, now Canadian or American. He's by far the best Canadian linebacker in the CFL who was who allowed to go. And I thought about Wade Miller, the, the president CEO of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Would Wade Miller after two consecutive 6-12 and 12 seasons, two seven-game losing streaks to end each season, would Wade Miller have brought back that general manager? Uh, Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. He would not have. The bar is set high in Winnipeg. To me, a lot of people, IMO again, are, are feeling, well, how high is the bar set here in Saskatchewan? How high is it now? You know, last year, a year from now, both Jeremy Day and Craig Reynolds were singing the praises of Craig Dickinson as the head coach. They said they had 100% confidence that he would turn the team around after the debacle of a season when they're hosting the Grey Cup. They had 100%. And suddenly, he's the entire problem. Well, you know what? He wasn't the head coach at the end of the day. He didn't look like it. So, 
yes, it was a given he was going to be fired. But I've always said this. I'm really on a rant here, Balsy. That's okay. I've already I've always said this. There's never one reason why a team wins or loses. It's a combo. It's always a combo. Hey, uh, Don, I want to I jump in here because I've been going back and forth uh, on Twitter. I had Kelly Jeffrey on the show yesterday. He said he's interested in the head coaching job, and he is going to throw his name in. And I said he should be able to throw his name in. Uh, will he get hired? I, I doubt it. And he thinks he's probably a long shot, but he was a long shot for the OC. I don't think Kelly Jeffrey did a did an awful job as the OC. I put him as a solid B. I've got fans jumping in saying, oh, I, I like Paul Apolice and George Cortez because I challenged them. Name me the last OC you liked. And those are two names that jumped to the uh, forefront. Ken Miller, Ken Austin combo too. But if you remember, or if you look at those rosters, one of which included Jeremy O'Day, those rosters were a lot more solid than the one that was out on the field the last couple of years with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, especially when you look at their offense this year. Uh, they used four quarterbacks at times. Four. Whether he was or he wasn't, Jake Dolagala was the fourth string quarterback. So if we're just going by the depth chart, they were down to their fourth quarterback on the depth chart. They had two 1,000-yard receivers. Did Kelly make some mistakes? Sure. My point is, I don't know who who would want to be the offensive coordinator in Saskatchewan. It is the yeah. most thankful, thankless position, maybe in any profession, like everybody thinks they can do better than the offensive coordinator. It's actually laughable at times. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's a lot of truth to that. And that's another argument for Jeremy O'Day, that he did not have uh, his starting quarterback for the majority of the season. I mean, Calgary had more injuries than Saskatchewan, but they kept their starting quarterback to the whole campaign. Only that's team. Day, Only uh, team. The bad luck, and he didn't. Only that's team. Tough. Only team that dressed their uh, starting quarterback for every game. Well, I'm going to say this. I think that there's one candidate to be the next head coach of the Rough Riders that is head and shoulders above anybody else, and I mean head and shoulders, and that's Scott Milanovic. He should be the target because he's he's won a great cup uh, as a head coach. He's a proven winner. He's got connections in the NFL to help bring in players. Uh, anybody else that I've heard, anybody else's name is is – a reasonable distance below Scott Milanovic, in my opinion. I think if Jeremy O'Day can get Scott Milanovic, that would be outstanding. Well, let's be honest. Anybody let's be honest. Anybody else, I, I'm not all that jacked up about because of a lack of, in some respects, a lack of head coaching experience. Okay, let's 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 uh, get into that for a second, Don Hewitt. Um, <laughs> well, no, it's it, it's 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 worth talking about here. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, he he is head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, yes. Do you think he'll be here? I have no idea. I I'm not going to predict yes or no. I mean, he was going to be the head coach and general manager of the of the Edmonton CFL team, but then COVID hit and he went back to the NFL. So I, I can't. By the way, by the way, he come because three year contract at a good salary. Yeah, that's what Jeremy O'Day uh, can offer. And but I, I wanted to get on another topic. Can I switch to another topic in a minute here? The reason Scott, okay. the reason okay. why, the reason why he almost and did end up in Edmonton was his relationship with Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris had a lot to right. do with Scott Milanovic coming to Edmonton. So you wonder if that wouldn't be the case here again because they are very very tight. And I agree with you. There is quite a. Um, quite a, a gap between 
um, Scott Milanovic and the other candidates for his experience, for his contacts, and the riders have to back the truck up to get him here. Because let's be honest here, Don Hewitt. I, I agree. Don Hewitt, this is on the board, the general manager and the president. They're, especially the GM and the president, their future, in my opinion, hangs on this next hire. Yes, I agree. And I also think there's one other thing uh, what hangs in the balance, and that will be attendance next season in the stands. Uh, let's take a look. Let's go back to the board for, for another for a second. The board, in terms of football, they're not football people. They're business people. They're accountants-type uh, folk. They're looking at the books. So they're not looking at the football result. That is Craig Reynolds' end of things. That's his job to look at the football result and who's running the football. They look at the books. They look at the financials. That's what they're in place for. And so they look at what uh, Reynolds has done up to date in that area, and they said he's done a good job. He's got them out of COVID, et cetera. Uh, you know, they've been some good accomplishments financially. Mm-hmm. Now, with what I hear in the community, again, I don't know all the fans. This is only my opinion, what I'm seeing. Uh, tremendous discontent from long-time season's ticket holders, many of whom are telling me they're canceling, they're walking. Now, will they, at the end of the day, uh, you know, time calms people down, for example, uh, and there's still anger uh, that might dissipate. Uh, can a, can a, a good head coach hire get somebody to change their mind? Very possible, very possible. But for right now, uh, I don't recall um, the anger that I'm hearing from so many fans. And these are like guys running around with rider ball caps on who are saying they're, they're canceling their tickets. So I think what's, what, what's going to be huge uh, with what the board sees, with the financials, and what happens in the stands is going to be a major, uh, major uh, situation uh, in 2024. And we've got Jeremy O'Day through the 26th season now as the general manager. I mean, he's it. You can't replace a guy because of the football operations cap or the coaches cap very easily once he's got that contract because you pay penalties, and then you have less money for the next GM or the next head coach. And that's one of the things that made it difficult to say goodbye to, to Craig Dickinson at the end of this past season because of that coach's cap. That's one of the, the faults of it, if you want to call it a fault. And so you've got Jeremy O'Day through the 26th season. He's got to come through. And, and then Reynolds could look pretty good. If he doesn't, Reynolds is not going to look good. And, and we'll just see where there are people whether some of them are going to hang in in their own mind and cancel or if they're going to change their mind. Like, for example, if Scott Milanovic came back or came here, not came back, as the head coach, how many would change their minds? Well, there's some that sure would, I believe. But how many will? I mean, it's it's going to be the, the, the tail of the tape is going to be bums in seats well, 2024. initially, Scott Milanovic getting hired might bring some people. They'll get them excited, some. But uh, 
It's good. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. It's going to be the wait and see approach because here's the deal. Yes, here's the so. deal, and they've got every right to feel this way. This football team has gone zero and seven and zero and seven the last two years after Labor Day. When they, you know, this year they were six and five before the Marino thing. They were four and one, I believe. They've won eight games after the Marino incident. So there's a lot of wait and see here from Rider Nation, and you can't blame them for that. I want them to show up to the games because I want this football team to be around, and we're never... Let's not get so arrogant that we think we're always, you know... It's a different time now. We don't need trading grain for tickets, which you couldn't do anymore because there's no Canadian wheat board, or or or, or radio or TV uh, TV uh, telethons. Like the, we're never that far away, Don. The thing with the CFL is every team is on solid ground, but every team's got a foot dangling off the cliff. That's just the way the CFL is. Well, here's the here's the reality of it. It is the Rough Rider organization's job to sell the product. It's not uh, that the fans have to be loyal, you know, no matter what, whether they're happy or unhappy. No, it's the team's job to sell the product. It's not, you can't say that if a fan doesn't show up at a game because he's discontented that he's not a true fan. That's baloney. They're, they're, they're just hurt and they're disappointed. It's up to the riders to sell it, to sell them to come back to the game. And that, inevitably falls on Craig Reynolds. So here's the deal. If Craig Reynolds had, was still there, but he cleared the deck otherwise, they would have given uh, more time for the riders to win people over. But with the situation now, they have to come out of the gates immediately in 2024 and really wow people and win all season because they have not bought themselves any time with such a small amount of change, which I believe is a small amount of change considering what they've done the last two years. So there's not going to be, there's going to be less forgiveness unless if there's a whole group of new people, people will have more patience. Okay, see how they do, what they do. Now there's going to be less patience. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, where were you October 27th, 2001? I know where our next guest was. He was lining up for a CFL record, which still is a record. 62-yard wind-aided field goal against the then Edmonton Eskimos at Taylor Field. Hall of Famer Paul McCallum joins us. Hi, Paul. How are you, bud? Good, good. How are you doing? Awesome, man. Yeah, hard time flies. Eh? 22 years ago today. What do you remember about, obviously it was a windy day. What do you remember about that kick? It wasn't that windy, Paul. He was 11 kilometers. Come on up. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think it was a couple weeks before that we were playing, I don't know, Calgary or somebody, and um, it, we decided to throw up a Hail Mary, but I went up to Coach Barrett, and I was like, let me kick this, and, and I guess the cameras were on me, and I knew I could hit it, and he kind of looked at me and then brushed me off, and the cameras followed me because I, I guess I had a bit of a disdained look on my face, and so everyone was asking what was going on, and I said, well, I wanted to hit it, and they said, do you think you could hit it? I said, yeah, and then they asked Danny, how far can you kick it? He goes, I don't know. So <laughs> the next practice, we went out there, and we were hitting field goals uh, from pretty much the same distance, and, I, and it was really windy like it wasn't that game, um, that we didn't kick it, and I kicked like I think it was seventy-three yards. Wow! Um, and and so then in Edmonton, 
Um, I had no idea. I was running out on the field to punt it, and uh, Dylan Ching, my holder, he says, no, field goal, and I looked at him. He actually ran back and grabbed the, the kicking tee for me, mm-hmm. uh, the pad. Um, and uh, we lined up, and I remember I had a distance, and I was probably about six inches away from the 63-yarder, and I'm like, do I, do I put it on the 63? I said, no, I'm not going to mess this up. So I just put it down. And, um, yeah, before I knew it, it was, I did it. So it was, uh, yeah, no, it was pretty, uh, yeah, and the, re- and the reason you mentioned 63, Paul, is because 63 was the longest one in NFL history at that time. De- Dempsey hit it, uh, and then I think Jason Elam uh, hit it, and it's been kicked further since then. But, yeah, that's why you were mentioning 63, because it would have been the longest kick in pro football history. You also kicked the longest in XFL history, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you? Uh, no, the first one. Oh, the first one. Okay, you probably could have hit the long. You probably could have hit the longest one. Here's a mystery to me. I hope people are listening. You're in the Hall of Fame, but you're not in the Ryder Plaza. That is a travesty. We could make a case you're the greatest kicker in Ryder history. Do you? Do you scratch your head on that one? Uh, don't even think about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe there, maybe there's an 18 yard field goal into my way. <laughs> oh, look at that! I love when you throw it out there. Hey, quickly! Hey, hey, quickly! 45 seconds or less. How do you think the Lions are going to do in the playoffs? You know what? It's one of those things. They they got a great team, and if they come out um, playing like they can play, I think they can pull it off. I think they can beat Calgary, and uh, you know Winnipeg is a great team. Um, you know they beat them before. Uh, like I said, if they they would just uh, eliminate the penalties, uh, you know, there's been a few games where I've been on the sideline, and uh, they would help the other team maintain a drive by taking penalties. I, I think it was Hamilton. There was mm-hmm. three penalties on one drive in Hamilton and took it down and scored, but it was penalties. So I think if if they eliminate the mistakes, they play within themselves and give uh, Vernon Adams some time, I think they'll be okay. Yes or no answer? Are you throwing your name in for the head coaching job in Saskatchewan? Uh, head coaching? Um I'm more of a managerial type of guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, good, good, good. Well, when that opens up, when that opens up, yeah. maybe we'll look you up. Hey, man, we got to go. Thanks for your time, Paul. Okay, thanks, Paul. Take care, Paul McCallum. This day, August 27, 2001, still a CFL record, 62-yard field goal. He says it was 11 kilometers. I think he was joking. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And let's get right down to it, our final hour. We are talking Plaza of Honor. Show's brought to you by our friends at Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. This guy's Plaza of Honor royalty from a couple of years ago. Riders owe a lot to this guy. Rider fans owe a lot to this guy. He's the owner of our radio station and uh, the Hill Group of Companies. Paul Hill, he joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline from a warmer destination. He's working down in Southern California. Thanks for taking time to talk to us, Paul. I appreciate it. It's nice to be with you, Michael. Yeah, it's great that you... This guy's my visitor. He comes into the booth with... uh, He brings different guys in. He brought two classmates in. One guy from Cuba, another gentleman from Saudi Arabia. I won't even dare try to pronounce their names. He decked them out in rider jerseys. He's a great ambassador of the club. And... 
Paul, your company just recognized Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce Business Hall of Fame, 120 years in business. All the accomplishments for you and your family, where does that one rank? Well, you know, everything ranks uh, high up in what happens uh, in the course of uh, of uh, your life. Yeah, everything is important, and uh, I uh, credit uh, that recognition really to all the great people that we partner with and all the great people that we work with, because they're the re- people that really have made things happen, so it's a great credit to them. Uh, my name happens to be at uh, at the on the on the door, but that doesn't mean that I'm doing all the work because I'm not. So I really credit uh, our team uh, for bringing that about, and I think they're the ones that need to be honored. And when we received the honor, uh, we had uh, from all our various uh, businesses, we had all of them on the stage, and I did not speak. I stood at the end of the line. In recognition of those who really make things happen. Well, and you're one of them, Mike. Oh, I appreciate that, Paul. It's got to start somewhere, man. And legacy is an important word that people talk about. I want to talk about that. The legacy of a huge family business. Did you ever imagine over all these years it would get to not only the longevity of it, but the scope of it, how big it is? Well, uh, you know, Michael, uh, you think it's very big, and a lot of people do, but it's, it's, uh, that's a perception and not necessarily the reality. We're involved in several businesses, but I would classify them as, as a group of small businesses that we just uh, uh, participate in, and we're in the business of helping other people, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, achieving their ends through buying advertising or, or media uh, uh, products, um, uh, or whether it's uh, producing a, a, a product that they use, or whether it's um, uh, taking space in a building that allows them to basically enhance their own capability of of uh, achieving their own business ends. Uh, that's what we do. And when it comes to the community, we're totally focused on helping people in the community. Everybody in our organization does that, and uh, you do it at the radio station as well. And so uh, that's what we're all about. We're all about uh, working for others, basically. And as long as we continue to do that, we're successful. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Paul Hill joining us here. Plaza of Honor inductee from a couple of years ago with the Riders. And, of course, uh, the owner of our radio stations here, the Hill Group of Companies, going into the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce Business Hall of Fame recently. Hey, the Riders are uh, looking for a new coach, and one of the things that's talked about is sustained success. So kind of the reason I had you on here is what kind of advice from the business world would you if you get a chance to pass it on to those at the rider uh, top brass you know give them some tips on sustained success what makes a company a business a football team you know at least on the business side have sustained success well uh, as you know i was on the board for more than 20 years and um I uh, and I was uh, one of the people that was instrumental in bringing in the what I would call the Green Bay model, uh, which was uh, a community-owned team, but we have shareholders. Shares don't go up and down in value, and they can't be traded. But we have a strict corporate governance structure now, and that strict corporate governance structure has served us very well. And uh, that uh, strict cor- that go- that governance structure will continue to operate as well as it has ever since we brought it in, and it it brings about 
the you know better decision making process uh, than we had before. Before we had more of a an old uh, like an old boys club or an old women's club. Uh, those that participated in the club, you know, uh, gave their time and energy, and they all gave their time extremely well. But they weren't uh, professionals, and it wasn't their full-time activity as we have now. So I would say um, uh, it's the same thing in business. Uh, long-term vision, and you're going to go through ups and downs along the way, but if you keep your eye on the ball and you have that long-term vision and the board is focused on that, um, then uh, ultimately you'll make the right decisions that will produce the right end results. Paul, uh, we thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you taking time out of a busy day. I know you and your son, Matt, uh, you're down in uh, Southern California doing some work of another kind. So we do appreciate it. Uh, get yourself a nice tan for me because it's snowy back here in our favorite spot, Saskatchewan, okay? Thank you, Michael. Take care. Uh, have a good day. Have a good day, everybody that's listening. I'm... Uh, I'm not sitting out in the sunshine, believe me. I'm spending all my time behind a desk and on, on the phone and on the Zoom and in person in meetings, So, which, of course, I love doing. So I'm happy to be here and happy to do it. And, uh, and I know that the snow that has come, it looks, it looks pretty. I think it looks great. And it'll come and go, as you know. Yeah. And uh, it'll come and go several times between now and the end of the year as well. But I'll be back into it very shortly. Well, you know what? That's one of the things I love about you. You're, uh, you're an absolute uh, uh, advocate of Saskatchewan and your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Take care, Paul. we got to go. Have a nice night. Okay, great. Take, take care. You. Yeah, thank you. Bye. That's Paul Hill. Can we call him the owner of the Riders? He kind of is. I mean, he kind of is. He's done so much for the football team. That's why he went into the plaza on the board for a number of years. And his company, 120 years now, Saskatchewan Chamber of Con- uh, Commerce Business Hall of Fame. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage on this Friday for our good friends at Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. You can always get a hold of us locally, 936-6262. Bang that number. We can talk sports, whatever you want, hockey, football. We know we can talk football 24-7 around here, but we like hockey, too. We'll get to that in a second. You can also call toll-free 1-866-767-0620, and you can text that number at... Um, Nine three six sixty two sixty two, powered by the Capital Auto Group. Time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule. Get yourself some Western Pizza. I know this guy's had a few slices in his day. Kyle McIntyre. He is the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, but a regular listener to our Rider broadcast. And uh, obviously, you're not too happy or disappointed to say the least. You got yourself a Rider golf cart. That thing is awesome, man. The old school S and everything, kind of like the fridge I have in my garage. Where'd you get that thing? Well, it's a long story, Michael. Yes, I do have a rider, rider cart. So uh, the commissioner bought some raffle tickets for a, a team lottery on a golf cart a few <laughs> months back for the Kindersley Clippers. And it was a four-seat cart. It was jacked up. It had roll bars on it, stereo, the whole act. And uh, and a board member from the Kindersley Clippers really wanted that cart. And he was not very happy when the commissioner won it. So he and I made a deal, and he... Uh, 
offered to trade me a brand new rider cart for the Kindersley Clipper 4C cart. And so I got a rider cart and I love the riders. I love listening to the you, Michael, on CKRM and the games. I follow the riders passionately and I was a little bit disappointed when Trevor Harris went out for sure, but but now I'm going to be a proud owner of a new rider cart. Good job. That's good for two reasons. Always supporting the riders we love, but you can't really, even though you bought raffle tickets as the commissioner, you can't look like you're favoring one team over another. So very strategic on your behalf. Good job. <laughs> Correct. Yes, thank <laughs> hey, you. Hey, so, uh, yeah, you're right. When you lose quarterback one, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody tried their best, but when quarterback one goes down, it's kind of like goalie one. Uh, those are the two hardest positions, I believe, in North American professional sports, right there with back catcher two. When you lose at least the goalie and the quarterback, you're in trouble. Oh, absolutely. Like every team is built in hockey. You build from the back end. You build from the goalie out. Uh, in the CFL, you, you build from the quarterback and then you need a good line and, and then you need a good defense, right? Yeah. Hey, we got some nice stories early on. I had Cody Mapes, the coach, GM of the Weyburn Red Wings, his good assistant staff there. They're doing a good job with Weyburn coming up with a 10-5 win over North Battleford. Let's talk about those two teams. First off, Weyburn, nice story so far. Yeah, you know what? Cody has done a good job. He's uh, second year of being a full-time coach there, and, and certainly they have a good record. I think Cody has been struggling a little bit to get a consistent effort out of his team, but uh, certainly they're enjoyable to watch, and they have a lot of skill when they stick to playing hockey and they stay out of the box. they got a lot of firepower there in Weyburn. Ring the bell. Bell comes back to the Battlefords, had three points last night, so that's a nice uh, shot in the arm for that team. Well, you know, they, uh, North Battleford is probably better than the, what their record would indicate, and they do have a number of kids who have come back from last year's team. Maybe they didn't have uh, prominent roles with the Stars last year, but getting Kean Bell back you, when watching the game last night, everything just slows down. He's such a skilled player, and he's looking for teammates, and, and if it weren't for Daza Mitchell, he probably would have had three or four goals himself. So let's... Uh... Let's be uh, up front here. When coaches win, they get too much of the credit. When they lose, they get too much negativity. But sometimes coaching can make a difference. How about the uh, man behind the bench in Melville? Oh, Doug Johnson. There's no doubt about it. He has had a, a tremendous impact on Melville Millionaires. They're playing at about 800 hockey right now, Michael, and they've really been the biggest surprise so far in the league this year. So I, I'm not a big fan of fighting. I, I, I always say, hey, if you want to fight, let's let's do it truly. Let's roll out a carpet and have the guys with solid footing stand on uh, on the carpet, and then and then we'll see who's tough. And I guarantee that would end fighting in hockey because you wouldn't have these uh, little guys that think they're tough going head to head with a, a guy that might be bigger if he had solid footing. But I think the fair fight in hockey is the goalie fight. They're both weighed down. <laughs> they're both weighed down with. A equipment so it is pretty fair we had our first goalie fight oh yes we did so uh kenneth marquardt who is probably one of our leaders in terms of uh goals against average and save percentage in the shl with the flintflon bombers him and logan falk uh squared off last weekend when flintflon was hosting kindersley we had a bit of a squirmish that was uh being caused in the corner and i think the goalies looked at one another and uh and they went at it, and you know, goalies never really have much of a fight, Michael, but uh, it certainly got lots of excitement on the social media channels for the Clippers and the Bombers, for sure. So what's new with the league this year? And actually, uh, first off, officiating. It's always important for any league. Was there much of a turnover? How's the officiating look this year? You know what? Uh, the thing about the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is we are a developmental league, right? So we develop players, we develop coaches, we develop broadcasters, and we develop officials. And so... Um, it's a constant uh, 
constant challenge trying to get quality officials in the league because once the officials start to do a really good job, they don't stick around really a long time, right? They go to the Western League, they work in uh, U Sport, they work in the American League. And so we have a lot of officials that have their toes in all those different pods. And so unfortunately, they're not always available uh, for us in the SJHL. And so uh, certainly we've had a new crop of officials come in, but generally the officiating has been pretty good. I, I can't say that uh, officials have really... Um, determine the outcome of any game. They're calling it as they see it. And uh, we have NHL referee Graham Skilleter working with our officials, doing some coaching online and some mentoring. So, yeah, it, it's good. It's fine, Michael. And and depends on what side of the loss you are or yeah. what side of the game you are from a coach, whether they talk about officials or not. But uh, we develop our officials, and uh, we got a – an auspicious young crop coming up for sure. All right, so let's talk about some of the things new in the league or something you're uh, excited to uh, see transpire as we uh, move along here. Yeah, so a couple things uh, this year, Michael. So first and foremost, we've changed our uh, showcase dates. So we moved from a early September showcase to uh, mid-November. So we've moved our showcase in Warman amongst all the SJHL teams to November 13th to 16th. And we always get a lot of scouts from uh, NCAA and U Sport and ACAC and from NHL teams. And so uh, we thought it would be better for our players to uh, maximize our scouting attendance and to make sure that our rosters were a little more stabilized. And so uh, our scouts would see a better product and we'll, we'll see teams actually playing at their optimal best. So, so that's coming up and we're certainly excited about that. Uh, the other thing we brought in at our AGM last year was we developed uh, an element of an effective franchise rubric. And so we've identified uh, best practice in hockey operations and business operations. And the idea behind it is we want to improve our player experience in every one of our 12 communities. And we want to make sure that all 12 of our teams are fiscally solvent and are uh, keeping their heads above water financially. All right. Lastly, one thing I do appreciate about you is uh, now, listen, the SJHL would be different than like a a professional league. Uh, Obviously you just mentioned it, your developmental league. But one thing I do like about you as the commissioners, you seem to really be a fan. Like you, you know, the players on the teams, you're into like things like goalie fights. Like you seem to be a fan. I think that's a real good attribute for you. Do you feel that way too? Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, I love hockey, right? And I love the SJHL. I mean, like yourself, I got my start kind of in uh, junior hockey uh, through the SJHL. And so uh, I'm passionate about the league and I want the league to be the best it can be. But most importantly, I want our kids to have a really good experience playing in the league. Kyle, enjoy the weekend of action. I appreciate you stopping by. We'll have you on on a regular basis. Well, thanks for your interest and uh, great talking to you, Michael. Uh, You do a great job and I know you take some bullets on social media. But I got your back, buddy. Thanks, Keep uh, up the good work. Yeah, that's good. I uh, I need I need friends. I need I have no friends, Kyle. I need some <laughs> friends. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shana Pats, six twenty CKRM. Bones, and thanks so much for having me. I mean, I think it's kind of the worst kept secret in Regina that uh, Tanner Howe would be ranked an A-level prospect, and he was. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be an A-level prospect for the course of the season. I saw a couple of uh, draft rankings. Sam Cosentino had him at 31. Craig Button didn't even have him going in the first round, which I was uh, I was speechless. Yeah, this guy is going to be a top 15 NHL pick. I know it. I see it. I'm around the kid every day. We just did a dressing room tour with his younger brother's team, who's going to be a stud. This guy's going to be a good NHL player one day, I think, as well. So, uh, again, obviously I'm speaking in the future, but the Vaughns, uh, 
surprised, but maybe not surprised. I think some NHL teams probably like the size and the grittiness that they bring. So I guess we'll have to wait and see on uh, if they go in the draft. All right. What what does a W rating mean? Because those guys are W yeah. ratings. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a it's it's a new ranking that NHL Central Scouting has implemented. So A level means first round. Then your B is your second and third round, and then you got. You know, after that would be C would be fourth to fifth, and then W is now uh, six to seven. So, okay. um, a, a potential candidate for seventh or sixth round pick. Again, um, these guys are going to have to continue to play like this for the course of the season in order to get uh, or to continue to stay on this list. Uh, last year, we saw Sam Marembo on the list, and then eventually he was not, and then Borea Vallis took his place on the list. So. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I remember seeing Boria Ballas at the draft, Michael, and uh, he was ranked to go in the fifth to sixth round, and he didn't get picked, so you never know. For sure not. Okay, so let's quickly tee up here on Pad Chat for the Canadian Brew House, the Saskatoon Blades, and the Regina Pats over at the Brandt Center. Yeah, Michael, it's Cancer Awareness Night, and it's uh, a really special night inside the Brandt Center. The Pats are going to be wearing their uh, Cancer Awareness Night jerseys, which uh, if you didn't have a chance to see them, make sure to head to reginapats.com. Uh, we've got some new merchandise that we've now launched as well, and uh, that merchandise is available in the Regina Pat store thanks to 22 Fresh. So some uh, some neat merchandise, some cool jerseys, which will be auctioned off after the game. And then, of course, uh, a new thing that the Pats are doing, they've got an I-5-4 wall. So last year they had the I-5-4 sign. This year it's an I-5-4 wall right across from the Regina Pat store. And uh, you can go there and write messages, and, and those will stay for the course of the year. So, uh, I guess on the hockey side of things, Michael, it's uh, it's a big game for the Pats. They got to get back in the win column. They've lost the last two games, but they're still seven five and one on the season. Uh, Saskatoon's a good team. They just had their six game winning streak come to an end, so it's going to be a, a really exciting game. A tough weekend for the Pats. They got Prince George, the number one ranked team in the WHL, coming in on Sunday too. All right. Uh, thanks for your time, Dante. We'll be uh, eagerly listening to the game tomorrow. We appreciate your time. Ballsy Singer, always a pleasure. Enjoy the night. Yes. You, See you, Dante. You too, Dante. Dante to carry its Pat Chat for the Canadian Blue, uh, Blue House. Canadian Brew House. Sounds like I've been there having a few. You can go down there as long as you Let drink. Let me smell that breath. Drink, Get over drink here. Drink responsibly and uh, don't take a, you know, take a cab or an Uber, not a cruiser. Get the best flock and chicken wing special in town with 69 cent wings all day, every Wednesday and Sunday with a feature wing flavor of the month. Every month, Canadian Brew House. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. We've had a great show so far. Heard from Kerry Joseph, Kyle McIntyre of the SJHL, Pat Steinberg, Calgary Flames Radio, betting expert Andy McNamara, NFL betting. You can uh, check out, he'll give you the information where you uh, can find him for all your betting tips. Uh, heard from Kelly Jeffrey, Paul Hill. Paul McCallum, Dante DeCaria, and Henry Burris will wrap up uh, our Sports Cage Rewind here when the show's done. Uh, 936-6262. You can, by the way, check out the show in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. Give us a Google review and like. We'd like it. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Crazy thought from uh, Kristen. What about Darian Durantis, coach? Nope. He, has, he hasn't. I don't think he's coached anything. So, nope. He's out. Not even, and I love Darian, but not even on the radar. From Leonard, I love LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes. All they do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. Thanks, Leonard. Uh, somebody else, Pam, what about Mike Shepard or Danny Barrett for head coach? Nope. Nope. I love Leonard's texts, how they're just 
kind of out Random. of nowhere. Yeah. I love those. Mike Shepard, no, he's not going to get He won't be in the running. And Danny Barrett, been there, done that. Uh, uh, Harris. <laughs> Mike, uh, this from CP. Mike, I just heard from another source that Corey Mace, leading candidate for the Riders job. Book it. I don't think there is a leading candidate right now. Somebody else had reported that Henry Burris was a leading candidate. He's not a leading candidate. There are no candidates. Uh, he is... Um, interested in the job and you'll hear about that in our sports cage rewind but let's offensive coach offensive coach not yeah. defensive well coach, whatever in my Corey Mace really impressed him in Ottawa almost got the job over Bob Dice but I I kind of favor that too um this from Jack. I'm looking for a reason to renew our season tickets, but I can't find one. Why should I spend thousands of dollars on this team if winning is not a priority? Why wasn't Reynolds questioned about the Riders' brand being destroyed? Why isn't he or O'Day ever on your show? I'm so tired of friends rewarding friends with contract extensions for failing. Don't don't think you could pay me enough to come back. That from Jack. A little disgruntled. Uh, this from... Uh, Mike, some people are just ridiculous losers. I don't get these goofballs that text in that blame you for the riders' troubles. You're just the play-by-play guy. Some people are out to lunch. I didn't know they were, Mike, but uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I absolutely get it. I fi- I'm finding out over the last two years between people in the building here that don't know exactly what I do, although it's nice the owner kind of knows, but people in the building don't know what I do. The There's trolls... There's, you got to walk a fine line by trying to call it like you see it, like ballsy would, and, you know, hold some credibility, yet you're the voice of the team. It's a very lonely job. I love it. I got a great friend here. Zinger and I are a business inside a business. Like, we work for CKRM and for Harvard Media, which we promote and been here a long time. I've been here almost 27 years. You've been here how long now? Five? Five years. Yeah. Sean Kleisinger, an up-and-coming broadcaster. Not too many of them in this day and age when they're trying to kill the industry. We're not here. And so uh, I got my buddy here, Sean Kleisinger, Blaine Weiland. We got our little team, but uh, yeah. Sportscade shareholder chairmans. That's what we are. I think, yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Chairman. Chair, you're chairmen of the board. Yeah. You keep me in check. You're, the, you're like the, a good board. You keep me in check. You're the general manager of the sports cage shareholders, and yeah. I am uh, the coach. You're the coach. That's right. I'm the head coach. Okay, coach. Well, that'll just about do it for this segment here. When we come back, we'll get to our final segment of the show. Um, this show has been brought to you by our friends at um, Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Um, and uh, our hotline. Brought to you by Western Pizza. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule. Get into Western Pizza. Pick yourself up a pizza pie going home or some of their great wings or lasagna. Salads. Outstanding. They have that great salad dressing there. Uh, the Greek and Caesar salad dressing that you can buy, actually. You can actually buy separately, too, at the oh, Western Pizza. I love when the restaurants do that. I know. Anyway, this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, we're ready to wrap the show up here. Each week we uh, have many, many guests. We break a lot of stories here. Various sports. Riders, of course, and their coaching search hot topic. Now, it was falsely reported this week that Henry Burris was a leading candidate. There is no leading candidate right now, as far as I've been told. Now, I do have Henry's number. He's been on the show a number of times. Got a hold of him, said, hey, you want to coach some football? Are you interested at least? So here's our conversation with Henry Burris. I'll talk to you on Monday. 
All right, we've had this guy on recently. We always love talking football with one of the greats ever to play in the CFL. It's our friend, Smiling Hank, Henry Burris. You were public enemy here. You were also a fan favorite here. Public enemy, I think, just in a fun way. People didn't, they just love the chant, Henry. Uh, you obviously have fond memories of Saskatchewan, right? Oh, you know it always. I mean, Saskatchewan's always been a second home to us, and it's been a place where, you know, we always love to come back there, my family and I. And just enjoy seeing people that we still consider family. And again, if it wasn't for Saskatchewan, we wouldn't be where we are currently. So we're truly thankful and we'll never forget that. Yeah. So Henry, I just, uh, you know, I've talked to George Cortez in this show in our Where Are They Now segment. I, I just talk about George Cortez. He was in for the 2013 championship celebration here last time the Riders uh, were in a Grey Cup, let alone win, uh, winning one. And, uh, the guys talked about how, on the offensive side, how he was instrumental in helping Darian go to probably an unprecedented run in the playoffs for a quarterback in the CFL, with all due respect to yourself. But he had like eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Your thoughts on George Cortez, because I know you know him real well. Well, if it wasn't for George, I wouldn't have experienced what I, I did in my career. I mean, he was, when I talk about the one coach who actually set me down, he taught me the game, made sure I understood how to operate the game, but also manage the lifestyle both off the field and also how to manage the system on the field. And, you know, when George joined the Riders in 13, I knew, you know, there was going to be a team that was definitely going to speak and do the right things. It was definitely that team with, with the secret ingredient, George Cortez on the sideline. And you could definitely see the, impar- the, 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 the I guess, just the, the, the change in Derry Durant's game just from the, the presence of George Cortez. And that, that to me, that speaks so much about who he was. He didn't say a lot. Probably wasn't the most personable guy, but when it came to football and just the salt of the earth type people, George Cortez is the guy you could definitely put put as a picture as far as under that uh, description. So let's get down to it, bro. Do you want to be a CFL head coach? People are talking about you. Hey, this guy could be a great head coach. Do you want to be a CFL head coach? Because I know of a team looking for one. <laughs> well, you know, it's always been something I've talked about I would love to do. And, and uh of course, following my career, it was all about spending time with family, and that's why I've even been down here down south, uh, being able to spend more time with family because we knew we wanted high school-wise for our kids to go to high school down here so they could have an opportunity to attend some of the colleges and have the same experience from a sports and academic standpoint that we did, plus be close to the family so people could experience what they're doing as far as in their It was all about family. But I've always had my ears up north, and while down here I made sure I – I've gotten the necessary experience, but I've been working hand-in-hand both with Matt Nagy, helping him out as far as the game planning and helping put the game plan together as far as what's the coaches and the offensive coordinator's duties. And also did the same thing hand-in-hand with both Doug Doug Peterson and Press Taylor in Jacksonville, making sure that their responsibilities were all ready to go, whether it was presentations and team meetings to setting up the game plan and how the plays are going to be called on a game day. And I worked directly with Trevor Lawrence, working with his fundamentals and throwing technique. So for me, I, I've, I've been in the rooms and, and I've, I've, I've helped learn. I've been able to learn and be put in a position to learn just the duties of both offensive coordinator and the head coach. And I'm thankful for that. And, uh, but, you know, again, with my playing experience, you know, I know that game up there oh so well when it comes to offenses, when it comes to defenses, the personnel that are calling it, what changes are happening, the rules, the special situations that are taking place. But more importantly, I just love football, and I love helping young men reach their dreams. I've had men who sacrificed time away from their families to make sure that I could have the career I did in Canada. Well, now I'm looking forward to that opportunity of having that baton handed to me so I can help impact young men both off the field and on the field and also our given community and market as well. So I'm just a uh... – 
I'm an, a radio announcer of the football team. Okay, I've never been in a profe- I've never been in a professional huddle, and I've never, let alone, ran a professional huddle like yourself at a high level, one of the all-time greats. But you've never been a head coach. Do you think that aspect is overrated when you're looking for a coach? Well, it's definitely not overrated. But uh, I know people talk about, oh, well, X's and O's. You know, can you put a game play together? Can you, can you call plays? I was like, well, guys, that's it. Actually, what I did during my career, you know, mm-hmm. I was involved as far as in the game planning, the the, the the film study to put together the game plans, understanding analytics and all the different things, the nuances that are a part of the game today, and also understanding how to you know create culture as far as in the locker room. And to me, that's the most underrated aspect of what coaching is all about. Because when it comes to coaching, X the notes is the last thing you want to worry about because everybody has their system, everybody has the plays that they love. And everybody's trying to find the players to be able to execute that game plan. But being able to establish the right mindset for your players, empower your players, but also create the proper culture so each and every one of those players can succeed is how teams thrive. And, and right now, you know, when I look at Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan should be the cornerstone of the CFL. I mean, it's been that way since I've been in the CFL for a long time. And we were able to experience some of the greatest times of the CFL as far as playing against the Riders and being a part of the resurgence of the Riders in the early 2000s. Well, it's time for that team to get back there. And it's all about setting the culture first and putting the proper people in place to help make that happen. And and that's more importantly, the guys in the locker room. And and I'm definitely more than comfortable as far as the process of what it takes. But I'm only one part of that process Mm -hmm. of helping make it uh, turn around. So you're a young guy. You fit that aspect of it i think uh you're you're not that far removed for from the game so I'd, i think it gives a guy street cred like yourself absolutely and i think that's important to today's athlete but as you know henry we just talked about george cortez and you said you're only one part of it uh great coaches surround themselves with better coaches so that would be something i'd ask as a gm henry who would you bring in with yourself to surround yourself. So my question, I guess, Henry, is do, do you have contacts that you could, if you had to put a coaching staff together, do so? Well, the thing is, I, I'm not going to name any names. No. You know, a lot, a lot of guys that are great friends of mine are, are still, you know, battling in playoff spots. They're on some of the best teams up there right now, not to give away any people's names. But, yeah. but uh, the thing, you know, as far as, you know, maintaining those contacts, you know, those, some of those guys up there are my best friends. And and we've all talked about one time when one of them or myself was to become a head coach, don't forget about each other. And, the, and that same system still applies at this moment. You know, I've already talked to guys, and, I've, you know, I'm definitely going to talk to guys as things move forward. But this, 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 this is how the fraternity works, you know, and I definitely have a lineup of a number of guys that, that you know, definitely work their butts off that are currently coaching in this DFL guys that definitely need an opportunity to be coaching in the CFL because they were not only great people but also great minds that are still coaching in Canada, whether it's in a CIS level or even on a high school level. But the thing is, these are guys that had prior CFL experience as far as playing and also in some aspects coaching. So definitely the Rolodex is thick. I definitely have a lineup of names if need be, if that opportunity is given. And, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great time, you know, putting great people in great places to help these young men become the best that they can be. So tell me what you can tell me. Don't tell me what you can tell me. Have you reached out? How does this work? Like, do you reach out to the riders through your agent? Do they contact you? Do you feel like you're in the running? Do you want to be in the running? I guess that's a bunch of questions, but answer which ones you want. Oh, 100%. I'm definitely interested. I mean, I, I've always talked about Saskatchewan and just their impact as far as my family and I. My wife and I, we've talked about it ever since, you know, the things that have happened, the moves that have happened here recently. And it's the unfortunate part of the game with a great guy like Craig Dickinson being not retained. 
But, you know, we've talked about it. If the opportunity is there, sure, 100% we'd be interested in. And I know people get it twisted about the situation in B.C., but, you know, Rick Campbell and I talked about my situation because before I even agreed to do anything with B.C. as a consultant, I was already in talks with both Jacksonville and Dallas. So the thing is, it wasn't a situation where I signed and I'm ready to get back down. No, no not the case because people, it's well documented how much I love the CFL game. If the right opportunity came about, you, just like it is now, I would definitely be all ears and be at full attention, and, and that's where I currently am at this point. You know, uh, you know this. I said this on the air the other day, Henry, and I, I believe this. I think when you're looking for a head coach in today's day, the way the game is going, I think you need to look for an offensive-minded coach. I know you'd be biased because that's who you are, but you love the game in general. And there's a lot of great uh, defensive names thrown out there, and I'm not devaluing them. But like with a... With a coaching cap that we have in the CFL, too, I think one of the things that's missed for quarterbacks in this league is a quarterback's coach, like a, a George Cortez or even here, Kahari Jones, in that year, 2013, was somebody that Darian could lean on. I really believe you could bring that to the table in a coaching uh, kind of cap crunch where you could be kind of head coach, but also be that guy where the quarterback could turn to and say, hey, Henry, hey, coach, what do you think of this? Well, that's similar to what both George and Ken Austin did with myself, Jeremiah Masoli, Dan Lefevre, uh, and I can continue on with the names of the quarterbacks that were in Hamilton during that time. But, but most of the head coaches that have professed themselves, as far as former quarterback coaches being Jason Moss and, and Ottawa, you know, they had that split duty where they were either the offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach, or even with Kent and, and George Cortez head coach slash quarterback coach. And just with that opportunity there, it allows you not only to, to be able to, you know, help lead the team and help put the guys in places to help both run the offense and the defense, but it gives you an opportunity to talk to the leader of the locker room and to spend time and time and over and over again. It helps you both get on the same page, not only from a leadership standpoint, but also from an offensive standpoint. Because, again, it's all about the head coach empowering the quarterback and the more time that you can spend with each other when come game day and you have to hear that guy speaking to you in the ear as far as in that headset, you're on the same page and pretty much know what he's going to say before he even says it. So the more time that you can spend, volume creates perfection. And, and that's what having that head coach uh, slash quarterback coach uh, aspect can bring to the table for you. And lastly, Henry, how much do you think, as, as maybe you go down this process and, and you're talking to the team, if that does materialize and how things go, the fact that you were here and you know what Saskatchewan means to the people here, the football team, I mean, to the province, and how much they just want a winner here, a regular winner, like four championships in over a 100 years, I think only three first-place finishes since 1971, and these fans spend their hard-earned money and drive a long hours to get here to watch the games. You know what that means. 100%, because it's funny, my wife and I talked about this last night, and we said, you know what, in many ways, we still have a lot of unfinished business there, because unfortunately, we weren't able to come back following that 2004 West Final and just finish off things. And, and trust me, I, it hurt when, you know, Saskatchewan won the two great cups in 13, beating our butts when I was with <laughs> Hamilton. And also when Kerry Joseph was there, was there, but two great friends were leaders of that team as quarterbacks and also as head coaches, you know, both Kent and, and, and Corey Chamberlain. Uh, but, but to see Saskatchewan get excited inside, my heart was smiling. Because if there's one fan base that truly deserves it, you know, it's definitely the Ryder faithful. Because like I mentioned, they are the benchmark of the CFL. And when the Riders are great, the CFL is great. And, and that's where the team needs to be. And, and honestly, any opportunity to be able to come back there and be a part of helping build that back up is, is definitely, uh, you know, what my wife and I, we've talked about. So, you know, that, that, that 
that's true. That's what we believe because, uh, honestly, at the end of the day, I was a quarterback there. You could pretty much say I was the premier there if you're the quarterback, mm-hmm. but also you feel the temperature and heat as the head coach. And definitely I understand the people there, but like I mentioned, there's a lot of unfinished business as far as within our hearts of, of you know us not being able to complete what we set out to in Regina. Well, you've definitely stated a very appealing case. I'm not going to lie to you, man. We're friends, and I'm on the air, so you can always go back and check it out. That's kind of dismissive. Not that you don't know football or anything like that. It's like, he's never had head coaching experience. But you know what? You've uh, you've you've presented a very appealing case to me, my friend. Best of luck wherever it goes, eh? Maybe we'll be working very closely together. Who knows? <laughs> well, Ballsy, as you know, being a head coach is all about treating people the right way. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I look forward to is definitely a part of the fabric of who Henry Burris is. And, you know, you never know. We'll see as time continues on, brother. But thanks for having me on. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.